Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus. Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello and welcome to the Mummy Movie Podcast, where we shall be examining The Scorpion King 2, Rise of a Warrior from 2008. Layout-wise, this episode is going to be broken down into the usual format. We shall start with a little background information, then a section on the historical accuracy, and finally, I shall review the film. Right. As a child, you watched an evil man named Sargon use black magic to murder your father. Now, many years later, that very man is king, and you have sworn to avenge your father. However, Sargon cannot be killed by ordinary weapons. You must travel to the underworld to find the legendary sword of Damocles. On this journey, your skills and reputation shall grow. To those around you, it is clear that they are seeing the rise of a warrior. The film is actually a prequel to the original Scorpion King and shows how Matthias, the future Scorpion King, got his reputation. Dwayne Johnson actually turned down the chance to reprise his role here, and so Michael Copon got the part of Matthias instead. Although it would have been interesting to see Dwayne Johnson in this role again, considering the direction his career took after the Scorpion King, it is hard to believe that he did not make the right decision here. In terms of the other cast members, the former MMA fighter, Randy Couture, plays the main villain, Sargon. Karen David, also known from the television spin-off series, Fear the Walking Dead, plays Layla. Simon Quarterman, who also appeared in the horror film Devil Inside and the TV show Westworld, plays Ari, a Greek playwright and poet. And Tom Wu, 
who also appeared in films such as Batman Begins, Shanghai Nights and Hobson Shaw, plays Fong, a merchant trying to make his way back to China. We have now arrived at the historical accuracy section of this episode, and there is a lot to talk about here. Where the Scorpion King from 2002 tended to be very ambiguous about where it was set, this one is a little clearer. At the beginning, it is set between the Tigris and Euphrates rivers in the Arcadian Empire. Then, partway through the film, they travel to Egypt. It is fair to point out, however, that this film is supposed to be set in 3000 BCE, because, as already spoken about in the episode on The Mummy Returns, the Scorpion King is based off of a real ruler from Egypt. There were actually two men who ruled over southern Egypt named King Scorpion, and both ruled before 3000 BCE. Neither of these men was Arcadian, and indeed the Arcadian Empire did not come about until the 24th century BCE, so over 600 years after the death of King Scorpion. Also, most of the weapons we see in the film did not exist in 3000 BCE. To begin with, pretty much every soldier has an iron sword. Although some swords did exist in 3000 BCE, they were far from common and would have most certainly been bronze rather than iron. Also, the earliest swords typically came from Turkey, not Mesopotamia. On the other hand, bows did exist at this time, though the ones in the film are quite clearly modern plastic ones. I feel here, it becomes quite apparent that this film did not care much at all about historical accuracy. Shortly after the opening, and pretty frequently throughout the film for that matter, we see people riding on the back of horses. In 3000 BCE, there were no known horses in Mesopotamia, which is modern-day Iraq, and they would not arrive until at least the mid-3rd millennium BCE, so about another 500 years. Also, during their introduction, they were not typically used for horseback riding and were instead used with chariots, typically. When it comes to the characters in the film, there is a very weird melding of cultures from all different time periods. Ari, for instance, is a Greek. Meanwhile, one of Sargon's generals looks more Roman. Meanwhile, still, as already mentioned, the Scorpion King is Arcadian. Basically put, the film does not take time period into account at all, and just lumps everything they consider ancient into one big pot. Later on in the film, we see people buying tickets to Egypt. The way the film portrays this is of people almost going on holiday to Egypt, and this kind of tourism most certainly was not around at this time. The people shown here are buying their tickets to Egypt with coins. Coinage did not come about until a thousand years later. During this scene, Eri says that he wants to go to the land of the pharaohs, and Layla claims that everyone should see the pyramids once in their lives. The first ever pyramid built in Egypt was the Step Pyramid of Djoser, this was built over 300 years after the death of King Scorpion, and likely closer to four or five hundred years later. Even in the first Scorpion King film, it states the tale takes place before the time of the pyramids, so this statement of Layla's does not even fit with the series as a whole. Pharaohs were also not a thing this far back, 
And in fact, Egypt was not even unified as a country at this point, though there would have been kings ruling over different areas of Egypt. The word pharaoh originally meant big house. It was used from about the 12th dynasty onwards, but only began to relate to the actual ruler of Egypt itself from the New Kingdom onwards. When they are on the boat, Ares starts talking about magical weapons. First he mentions the Hammer of Zeus, then the Shield of Kronos, before settling on the Sword of Damocles. So, the first mention of Zeus comes from the 13th century BCE, so well over 1,500 years after the death of King Scorpion. On the other hand, Kronos comes from about 700 BCE, so well over 2,300 years later. And as for the Sword of Damocles, this was first mentioned by Cicero in 45 BCE, so over 3,000 years later. Further, Ari claims that Herodotus in Book 5 of his histories talks about the Sword of Damocles and claims that he has travelled to the underworld also. Herodotus died in 425 BCE, so thousands of years after King Scorpion, and hundreds of years before Cicero. Therefore, needless to say, although Herodotus does have some wacky and entertaining stories, he never spoke about the Sword of Damocles, and he never claimed to have gone to the underworld either. Ari then claims that the Sword of Osiris is only useful against Egyptian monsters such as cursed mummies. In 3000 BCE, mummies were not really a thing, although there is some evidence of natural mummification by drying out bodies in the desert. Essentially put, this scene is not just wrong on pretty much every level, it is spectacularly wrong and may even be the least accurate scene I have ever seen. Later in the film, when they arrive in Egypt, our three heroes have to travel through a maze to fight the Minotaur. So, once again, the Minotaur was never a myth spoken about in Egypt, and instead has its origins in Greece at Crete. During this scene, our heroes are helped by a group of other people who own Matthias's father a debt, and one of them claims that he fought alongside his father against the Hittites. In fairness, the Hittites were one of Egypt's biggest enemies during the New Kingdom. However, during the pre-dynastic period when this film is set, they did not yet exist and would not exist for another 1,400 years. Basically put, when it comes to historical accuracy, this may be the least accurate film I have ever seen. It gets multiple cultures confused with each other, many of which would not have existed in 3000 BCE, and claims that the pyramids were around during the time of King Scorpion. On the upside, it does at least get the location of the Arcadian Empire correct, but once again, there was no Arcadian Empire in 3000 BCE. When it came to the original Scorpion King, it felt like it went out of its way to be inaccurate. But honestly, the Scorpion King 2 feels like it was trying to outdo the original Scorpion King in inaccuracy. Okay, we have now arrived at the review section. So here I'm just going to simply talk about the parts of the film I liked, or in some cases, the parts that were so bad that I ironically quite enjoyed them, and also the parts that I disliked, and then I shall rate the film out of 10. Firstly, 
When compared to the first Scorpion King, this one focuses a lot more on magic and the supernatural. This may not be for everyone, but partly because they introduced these elements very early on, and partly because this is technically part of the Mummy franchise, I quite enjoyed this. It is fair to say that this is quite clearly a B-movie, and as such the acting is not exactly outstanding, and there are quite a few issues in general, but I also did feel that the set designers did a pretty good job for the most part. Whether it's Sargon's palace, the Minotaur's lair, or the underworld, although many of these sets do appear quite cheap, this is often made up for by their charm. For instance, the underworld scene is clearly just a set, but many of the elements here remind me of the fire swamp from The Princess Bride. As The Princess Bride is one of my favourite films, I really appreciate this and it did make me smile. Further, although Randy Couture's acting in the film is questionable, I do feel he made a good villain and overall I felt he was cast well. Although the actual characters in the film are ridiculous, both in terms of their historical inaccuracy and general presentation, I did actually quite like a lot of them. I found Aerie quite an entertaining character, and it seems as if Simon Quarterman had fun playing him, which is always nice to see. Further, I felt the woman who played the goddess Astarte was really good in the role, and she did come across as a seductress, even if this goddess did not come about until the 14th century BCE. Also, her fight with the love interest of Matthias, Layla, was entertaining, even if it was not for the right reasons, as the trash talk between them was unintentionally pretty funny. Moving on to the next point, I will admit that I felt quite sorry for the character of Bong, as essentially he just wants to get back to China and ends up getting tricked into a death-defying journey through the underworld. This whole side story is pretty damn ridiculous, but in fairness, it did also make me chuckle. In general, I felt the underworld part of this film was a bit of a highlight. It very much gave me the feel of a 1980s fantasy film, and it was also very trippy. I do feel that some people might get a little bit lost in this scene, and it is fair to say that it comes along just as the film is beginning to drag. But for myself, I really liked it, and I felt the small budget actually added a lot of charm here. Finally, I appreciate that at its base level, the plot here is actually quite simple. Matthias wants to avenge the death of his father and has to find a magical sword to kill Sargon as he cannot be harmed by mortal weapons. Although simple, this plot allows for the film to go to some insane places whilst allowing the viewer not to get lost. I feel that this is an underrated element of the film. Now, unfortunately, we must move on to the parts of this film I did not like. Firstly, the love story between Matthias and Layla was really poorly done. I didn't even realise it was a love story until about halfway through, and this is partly because they have the chemistry of brother and sister, which makes the whole thing quite uncomfortable to watch. Although I appreciate that this film has a small budget, I did not like the fact that all of the bows in the film were clearly modern and plastic. There is a difference between a small budget and laziness, and this definitely fell under the latter. Also, although once again I felt that some of the practical effects here were charming when it came to the low budget, the actual CGI was atrocious. Once again, the film tried to do far too much with its small budget, 
and I do wonder if they were close to running out of money. For instance, at the end of the film, Sargon turns into a scorpion, which just so happens to be invisible. When you finally do see the scorpion, it makes Dwayne Johnson's depiction of a scorpion in The Mummy Returns look like the Mona Lisa of CGI. Further, the film is admittedly very poorly paced, and although the ending is not necessarily bad, it is nowhere near as good as the rest of the film and does come off as anticlimactic. When it comes to the reviews for this film, they were not good. Although there is no critical consensus on Rotten Tomatoes, it has an audience score of 18%, and on IMDb it currently holds a rating of 3.8 out of 10. A lot of the negativity went towards the directing, which is described as infuriatingly hit and miss, with lazy writing and a lack of charm. For myself, I am aware that this is not a good film, and I do feel that these are valid points. The writing in the film is incredibly lazy, and the directing is inconsistent to say the least. However, I do feel that this film has charm, and I do kind of feel it falls into the category of so bad that it's good. I know that the majority of people are not going to agree with my rating here, and I am also aware that I have a fair amount of nostalgia for this film, as I have seen it a few times over the years. Although I would not necessarily recommend this one as one to watch, I am going to give it 6 out of 10. It is a bad film, but I can't help but like it. Thank you very much for listening. If you have enjoyed this episode and you haven't already, why not consider subscribing? And join me on Thursday where we shall be looking at episodes 3 and 4 of the Nickelodeon show House of Anubis. And then join me again on Monday where we shall be examining the 1983 film Scarab. I hope you all have a great week and see you then. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, 
Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.